Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Seek Outside podcast. My name is Dennis and today Kevin and Nathan and I are going to talk some hunting stories and, and go about that. I know you guys had a very successful, what was it, 2018? Yeah, we're going to tell you about the most successful backpack hunt ever. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to hope by letting the cat out of the bag that that we don't return to the law of averages this year. Because mm. if we do, we'll all be um, eating tag soup. For sure. So I think we we should probably start out and say that you guys were definitely hunting in Montana, correct? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. This, this did not take place in Colorado. It did not happen in Colorado. Nope. Right. right. Uh, we we don't we don't need any more success stories out of Colorado for anyone. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Montana and Idaho is where I hear people have really been getting on the getting on the animals and getting her done so, yeah it's just it's berg bergman's law right or whatever they're just bigger up there that so you would want to hunt up there anyways right 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 well far fewer hunters so yes yes very much so <laughs> um anyways, so anyway, so, yeah was it was it a rifle hunt yeah it was a rifle hunt so what happened was nathan was your cassie was pregnant with another child right and you figured yeah. that you needed to spend your points or because you weren't well, going to be able to hunt for a while right well if you want to go into that the the wife was pregnant and due in february and we've already got one child so i knew that i would be homebound for a while my you know my wife has a demanding job she works full-time as well as me so um i did a bear hunt in Colorado that fall and was unsuccessful and then uh, did a mule deer hunt, drew a tag for mule deer and picked up an over-the-counter bull tag as well. Uh, so I kind of got everything packed in that I possibly couldn't. I'm a non-resident, so you know if I'm traveling to go and spending the money for travel, I figure I may as well pick up another tag and try to increase my odds of bringing something home. Um, was your so, was your bear season at the same time? Did you hunt them all three like when in a no, week of each other? No, I didn't. That honestly, I think that would be way too. You you just have your attention completely divided the whole time. I thought uh, you were, I thought you were hunting Lafroig, not bear. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> we were. And I was actually pretty close on a bear, but uh, didn't get it put together we saw more bears around town than we did <laughs> yes we did <laughs> if i had wanted a collared bear uh, wearing a radio <laughs> collar behind, 80 yards behind someone's dumpster uh from the road we could have made that happen <laughs> and are they yeah it's just like a necklace right it's it's mm -hmm. um something to hang on oh you don't get to keep those though so maybe it's not that cool <laughs> yeah so Anyway, Nathan comes out for the deer hunt, which he decides to pick up an elk tag to go along with. And the area we were going to go into, traditionally, I used to have success there, but elk hunting has been really hard the last few years. It's It's been way more um, wondering where all the elk went than, than anything else, right? Um, there just hasn't been much there. Um, I pick Nathan up at the airport. We go double check our rifles. Correct. Do a couple adjustments, double check everything, get ready to start backpacking it. Well, let's, let's back up. So people will understand the, uh, fatigue level during this hunt. So I wake up at 2 AM my time. And I am on the road by 2.15 a.m. to go to the airport because my flight leaves at 5.15 a.m. And I get to the airport where Kevin picks me up at like 9.15 mountain time. And then we're busy all day shooting rifles and stuff. And then we pack in. Um, what what elevation is the trailhead at? Isn't it, what, 8,500? 
something like well, that. Since it was in Montana, it was much lower. Oh yeah. Say that. yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So since it was in Montana, it was a lot lower. Um, it it was a few thousand feet below timberline, and uh, <laughs> and um, and and we saw. We started hiking in, huffing and puffing uphill, right? And as we're cresting a ridge, all of a sudden we start hearing some bugles. Oh, holy crap, there's elk. <laughs> and and yeah. what time is So this is in the afternoon of the same day, right, Nathan, that you flew? Yeah, so it's yeah, still after, light out. The, yeah, afternoon of the same day. Beautiful. Um, you know, late afternoon, sunlight coming over the ridge that we're on and streaming down into some mixed aspens on this other ridge six eight hundred yards away from us and there's elk all over this hillside there's a big four or five point bull you know big mature bull bugling and just bugles and cow calls and stuff everywhere and we're just like where did all these elk come from this area has been a desert for years you know i i picked up a an elk tag just because i'm here and you know, I'm thinking now I've actually got a, a shot, you know, it's the yeah. day before season, of course. So we can't okay. do anything with okay. them that day. Um, but things are looking up for the next morning for sure. Right. And and we also had our wish list because you had a elk tag mm -hmm. and you had, you'd spent a bunch of points on a mule deer tag yep. and you had, you wanted an old craggly old mule deer. Yeah. I didn't, I don't care. I want a mature buck. I don't care what he scores. I like deer with character. You know, when they get older and they get more mass and the they kind of get crooked looking and gnarly. I love that kind of stuff. Uh, I told my wife before I left, I wanted any legal bull elk because I, lo I love to eat elk. Um, and I could, I could only get an over-the-counter bull tag. I couldn't get an over-the-counter cow tag. And, uh, and then the, the deer I wanted, didn't care how big he was, what he scored. I just wanted an older buck with it was kind of gnarly with some character and um, and you had a wish list as well yeah i didn't have an elk tag because i had archery hunted it was i just wanted a very pretty standard mule deer right one that like when you see it it's like that is what everyone thinks of when when you think of a mule deer now the area we went into had been known to have a couple good deer here and there before. Um, so we knew that the, the possibility of getting a nice buck um, was higher than our possibility of having to shoot the forky on the last day. Um, so why don't we go on? So it's bugling. We're cresting this hill. Uh, we, we're like, we back off the ridge so they don't see us and kind of, puff around to the trees and then you know we've kind of got to get up to camp so we're going along the trail and we meet some guys and you go from the highs of holy crap there's elk here yay to oh <laughs> public land <laughs> hey guys how are you doing well you look like a couple of crossfitters that are in way better shape than me <laughs> you know, that's 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 the thinking that goes through your mind you're like okay how's this going to change tomorrow morning um, so the, the good thing is we were camped above them. Um, we went as high in this area, uh, as you can go, which since it was not Colorado, it was well below 10,600 feet. Um, and, you know, there's snow on the ground and, uh, and had to get, had to get water that night. It's dark by this time, by the time we get up there and, um, we can't find the little seat that, uh, Kevin knows about on the backside in the dark and the snow, everything looks different. So we stay up late. We're running the, you know, we've got camp set up. We're running the stove, wood stove and melting snow, uh, to make enough water for the next day. And melting snow takes a lot of time. So we were up for a while doing that. I, uh, I think, I think we probably went to bed at somewhere around 11 which yeah. would be midnight my you know the time i had come from it would have been about midnight so i was awake from 2 a.m until midnight 
and then you're, had just, to get you're up just preparing like, for that new baby that was coming. Yeah, I guess. And then then I had to get up at like five thirty or six the next morning. Uh, so yeah. And and so had those guys that you met on the trail. Did were you like talking to them and you could hear the bulls bugling in the distance? Yeah, you and could, they they uh, were yeah. they were glassing them as as we mm. passed them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we yeah were, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a secret. You guys weren't keeping secrets. It no, like, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah, it was Every, real hard. Everybody's cards were on the table. <laughs> yeah, we we all knew that there were elk there at that time, right? It it wasn't like, shh, don't tell these guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we go. Um, we wandered around in the dark in the snow because it was really dark pretty much by the time we got camp kind of going, and we ended up, as Nathan mentioned, um, melting a lot of snow, and that was pretty time consuming we had a big mama and a dyneema red cliff prototype so we had a um the hmm. biggest heaviest stove we sell coupled with this super ultralight space age shelter right mm-hmm. um so the next morning I, I mean and i told nathan I, I i was like nathan these elk have not been around here in this part of Montana very often. Uh, um, and I said, if I were you, I would go out and just try to get an elk in the morning, right? Because chances are they're going to be out of here pretty quickly. Um, yeah. And that, that was kind of our, our plan that morning was stay high uh, because the elk had been substantially lower than us the day before. And the the backside of this ridge that we're on is, um, I wouldn't say it's completely inaccessible, but you would have to be a fool or be in really really good shape to drop an elk on this on the backside of this ridge. Um, it's really steep, blow down, dark timber, and you know, you've got the potential to have to climb 1,000, 1,500 feet through blowdowns on 40, 50 degree slopes to top out and then begin the pack out. So, again, you, you'd either have to be a fool or you'd have to be in really good shape to want to bite that. Hmm. So the that's kind of the safety area. Like we, we're viewing the backside of this ridge as this, the elk's safety zone. And right now they are down lower in the not safe zone and we expect that the hunting pressure is going to push them up and hopefully we can or i can intercept them since i've got an elk tag that's kind of the plan is to post up close to camp stay up high and there's a meadow below camp that elk will move through at times and there's another little hidden meadow a few hundred yards away that elk will move through at times and uh, the my plan was just to kind of be nimble, listen, look, and glass, and be patient up there for the morning. So I sent you out to this ridge, right? I said, mm-hmm. you, should just, you should just go down this ridge and sit there and see how things develop. And I wanted a big buck, and I had my spot um, sort of picked out, um, so I knew where I was going. So I worked to my place, which was... Both these spots were probably within a quarter mile of camp. I mean, the ridge setup was probably 220 yards from camp. Um, so Nathan goes out on the ridge. And you want to take it away, Nathan? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm sitting there uh, just looking, listening, glassing. And pretty soon after daybreak, I hear some sticks crack and hear a few mews and stuff down behind me. And it, it's directly toward where those guys were the night before, um, like right where they had been. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, they're doing a calling set or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just kind of paying attention to it. But I'm, I'm think I don't want to commit to it because I, I think it could be them. Uh, and I don't want to go charging in on, you know, their set if they're doing something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm listening, listening. I hear some more sticks break and some more muse and stuff. And, and finally I hear a stick 
that if you, it had to be the size of my wrist and it sounded like you had bashed it on a tree to get it to break. It just cracked. And I thought, okay, that's gotta be out there. There's no way a hunter is going to be that noisy. So, so I dropped my pack, bail off the backside of this little ridge down into a little Aspen Grove and start hustling toward this hidden meadow that I expect the elk are going to pass through as they top out and go to the backside of the ridge. And uh, I will say, I think that there had been one or two shots um, already that we had heard. So I know that the day hunters had been coming up the trails uh, that morning in the dark and very likely had moved into these elk and sure enough, they were getting pushed up. So anyway, I hustle up and had to drop elevation, gain a little bit back to open up an, an alley into, uh, into this meadow where I could see the head of it. And the meadow's on a side hill. It's like a 30, 35 degree slope. Um, and sure enough, I, I get to where I can see right as the lead cow is coming into my lane and they're moving fairly slowly. So I get set up on an Aspen. I'm looking, 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 looking third elk out is a bull and I'm looking, looking, it's gotta be four points or a brow tine over four inches. And I count five on one side and he gets broadside and clear from the other uh, cows. And I hammer him at about 140 yards. Um, and he just turned 180 degrees and faced the opposite direction. So I, I got him again. And then he just got weak kneed and kind of sat down and started rolling down the slope. Um, wound up against some aspens. And uh, like 30 minutes into opening day, I've got a, a bull down. It was, it was just incredible. Um, that there are some memories that, that kind of imprint on you. And this is one of them, um, walking up to this bull on this trail at the lower end of this meadow, there's yellow aspen leaves everywhere. It's one of those cold, crisp, clear mountain mornings, right at, you know, right after sun sunrise. And I remember sitting next to that bull and steam still coming off of him. And you smell this bull musk and uh, only an elk hunter will understand how good and bad that smell is at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, you just love it. But you know, my wife would think it's horrible. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm sitting there breathing in this bull musk and I, I look up towards the sunrise and I'm looking through the canopy of the aspens and it's so cold that they've got frost on them. And the frost in the very slight breeze, the aspen leaves are starting to quake a little bit. And this frost is coming off. It looks like it's raining diamonds. Um, it's just probably, a, you know, one of the top 10 moments of my life, just for beauty and serenity and, and all that stuff. Just amazing, amazing morning. So I was basically on the top of the meadow that you were on for the most part and had moved around a little bit. Um, and then I come up to you and you were shooting, what, a seven, you were shooting a seven mag, right? Nathan? Yeah. Seven mag with ELDX. Was it? Yeah, it was a 162 ELDX, um, Hornady bullet. And I, I could not be happier with the, the bullet. Um, did not exit, but it was, I mean, that elk was going nowhere. Hmm. Um, so I did not need to shoot him another time, but you know, it's kind of my rule that once you wound an animal, if you can shoot him again, you shoot again until he's down. Uh, so especially with elk. Yeah. Um, elk are big animals. And so we decided because remember we had, we had just melted water the night before, which, really had basically just gotten us enough water to have a cup of coffee in the morning and a few ounces ourselves. We still knew we needed to procure water. So now that it was light, um, I decided to go find the seep, which was covered in snow, uh, and get us, you know, a lot of water. Um, what was it? Uh, I think maybe I huffed up 
50 pounds of water or something. I, I brought up a pretty, pretty good amount of water back to camp. It was, oh, what is it? It was probably three quarters of a mile away. Um, Nathan was uh, working on his bull solo. Um, do you want to kind of take it away from there? Yeah, I, I like cutting meat. Um, you know, it's just something I enjoy. So I got the bull broken down. Uh, gutless method, of course. I don't do anything else on backpack hunts. Um, and we got the the meat hung, uh, deboned, uh, and hung. Of course, we, how far did we have to pack it? Was that about three miles from there? Yeah, probably about three and a half or something, right? Okay. Um, so yeah, and we were. I I do recall that. I think I left with a load at maybe. 2.30 in the afternoon. So we didn't really hurry. You shot the bull maybe at 7.30, but uh, I think I went back to the tent and literally took a nap or something beforehand. <laughs> but, yeah, mm. while, I was, while I was getting him butchered. Uh, so we got that bull completely packed out that day, didn't we? We had... Uh, yeah, we did. We, packed we had it friends, or you yep. had friends. Yep. and uh, coerced them into coming up and getting loads. So we got him out in uh, four loads and got him to a processor and spent the night in town. And, uh, and then the next morning, we got up at four. Yeah, we also had pizza and beer. And yeah. Did a little bit of... A little bit of a celebration, right? Yeah. Uh, we were like backpack hunting at its finest. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> one one night, and one they, night, you yeah. know, carry out two hundred and two hundred pounds of meat and <laughs> spend a night yeah. in town. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we we went in the next morning, and now the focus was deer because we had deer, two deer yeah. tags, and we didn't go all the way to our camp because there is basically a drainage before then which typically i've seen some pretty good deer in as well and so our goal was really to get into that area and see what we saw for deer and then yep. work back towards camp i i had one of my greatest spots of all time on that slope um gosh there was a doe in a thicket and I mean, the thicket was a hundred yards deep and she was standing in the back of it. And I somehow managed to find her in there. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, we were finding what deer were there. They're just the bucks that we were looking for were not there. Um, so we, we hunted that lower area for a few hours. And then we thought that we would kind of hunt our way back to camp and uh, we were a pretty good ways off trail at that point so we were going cross country and as we went um we got into a big group of bucks and uh, kevin you want to take point on this i, I kind of gave you first shot on that since i'd gotten <laughs> right right before. yeah so we've gotten into a pretty good group of bucks and we had some staring competitions with them right where um i would have my gun shouldered, um, you know, everything. And the deer kind of knew we were there and they were staring. We were being real quiet and we were being real still. And then they would move off, but it was in a mixed thing of trees and timber. And there just wasn't really a, a good shot opportunity um, yeah. at that and, point. And the, the quality of the bugs, we saw some that were obvious two and a half year olds. Uh, we saw one that was like a five by five, but he was a a young buck. You know, you could tell he was obviously young. And we think there was a, a nice one or two in there, but we just caught glimpses and um, it was just, it was tough going. So, and how, how many bucks are in this group? Probably somewhere between six and 10. Yeah. Hmm. It, it was a good sized group of deer and we kind of played cat and mouse with them for geez, a couple hours, really. Yeah. Um, they were trying to sneak away cause they thought something was up and we were sneaking pretty close to them. 
And then we made a mistake and they busted us and they ran off. Um, and it, it was that we were sneaking up into this, into this backside of the meadow that maybe, maybe we had started the day at. And, um, we probably moved a little too quickly is my guess. Wouldn't you say Nathan? I think they made a, a really tight hook the the last time that we got into them and i had expected that they had spooked more and had maybe gone farther but i think they just made a really tight hook and we actually snuck around underneath them and then came around in a big hook and got above them and i think they got our wind or saw us or something at that point so they they had stayed more really close to where we last saw them is my guess. That's still my best guess. Mm -hmm. And so once we um, basically were busted by these guys, um, we said, why don't we go back to camp? And um, Nathan, you were pretty beat. I mean, you've now woken up at two in the morning, stayed up to what was about midnight, processed an animal soon as you woke up the next morning, packed it out, had beer and pizza, got up super early again to hike up a mountainside to chase these deer all day. You, you've been like burning it on both ends pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, it's, it's like I did every P90X video in, <laughs> in order <laughs> without sleeping. Um, I yeah, had forgotten was, about P90X until yeah, you just was, said that. I'm, I'm aging myself. With, <laughs> with, with Lafroig and IPAs in between, yeah. in, bet, in between videos. <laughs> so I, I, was, I was feeling rough. Like I, I was just feeling really, really rough. Um, I don't know if everyone does this, but there is a point of tiredness where it makes me feel sick that I'm so tired. And I was at that point, so I went back to camp and I slept uh, until that afternoon. And um, I woke up feeling awful. Um, you know, the altitude change and the lack mm -hmm. of sleep and just everything's different. I, I was just completely out of sorts. So Kevin had this, you know, Kevin's at altitude all the time. So he's dealing with it better than I am. And uh, he's got this ambitious plan to make this big loop that afternoon and look for a buck. I, and I suspect he, he had an area that he uh, had a good suspicion that a good buck was in. And, you know, I'm I'm all for respecting that I'm I'm in his spot. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so I was far less ambitious that that night. I'm thinking, OK, I'm just going to take it easy. And I'm going to go to bed early tonight and I'm going to wake up and feel good tomorrow morning and hit it hard tomorrow. Try to cover some ground, be smart. So I go back to the little ridge I'd started at the morning before where I heard the elk from. And I'm just kind of messing around, like writing in my journal and, you know, call my wife because I can get reception in this one little spot. Um, kind of spend the afternoon doing that. And then. I get bored and think, I'm going to go down and try to find the aspen tree I shot my elk from, see if I can find my rifle brass. So I kind of piddle around and go do that. And then I think, I'm going to go look at the elk carcass because one of our friends there has a, a bear tag. And I want to see if a bear has been on it yet. Uh, if it has, you know, maybe you could come up in the morning and get a bear. So I go and look at my elk carcass. And, and then there's a trail that runs along the bottom side of that hidden meadow and i think okay I'll, you know it's getting into the what i call the witching hour you know that last 30 minutes before dark um you know if you're going to see deer at any time of day i think that's probably the best time and i love to still hunt always have and i think i'm just going to still hunt alongside this meadow until dark and then i'll you know just walk back to camp be short walk so i am taking a step and looking up down slope, taking a step, looking up down slope, using my binoculars. I get probably 50 yards past my oak. Takes me 10 minutes to go 50 yards. Look down slope. I see a buck. 
and um, I can tell that he's tall, and that's all I can tell. So I look at him through binoculars, and he is a good buck, real, real good buck. He's, you know, I can tell he's big bodied, mature. He's got that big neck, big deep body. Um, doesn't look like he he has much for fronts, but he's got a a really tall fork. Looks like he's got a big frame. I think. I'll be happy with this buck. That's exactly what I'm looking for. So I put my binoculars down and start to unsling my rifle. Well, he looks at me. And I had been between steps when I saw him and picked my binoculars up. So my left foot's off the ground. And I'm standing there, leaned over to my left with my left foot off the ground with my hand on my rifle sling, having a stare down contest with this buck. And <laughs> He's got me pinned. I mean, I'm in the open. Uh, he's absolutely got me pinned. So I stand there on one foot for a couple of minutes. And my legs are so tired by this point that I am literally shaking. And I think I, just, I, can, I, I can't win this. There's no way I can win this. And, you know, I'm trying to analyze what to do. And I think this is a mule deer. This is not a whitetail. I've grown up with whitetails and they're on a hair trigger all the time. Uh, they spook and they're gone. But I think this is a mule deer. I can get away with more than I could with a whitetail. So I put my foot down, unsling my rifle, go to one knee and get a shot off. And he just perks his ears up and looks. Uh, shot goes off and he goes about 15 yards and stops and I can still see him. So I shoot him again. Uh, and he goes about, I don't know, may, maybe another five yards and piles up. Hmm. So, and I had been, I, by now I'm starting to cuss this guy out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you bring him to, to he, you bring him to your spot and he shoots all everything around. in Montana. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. In Montana. Yep. And, and he starts just shooting everything up, man. <laughs> um so i'm I'm like i don't know um and i i had shouldered my rifle probably three times already right (laughs) and it just wasn't the right animal wasn't the right the shot didn't come through all i could see was the head do you know what I mean? They never, mm-hmm. you know, so I hear this shot from above me because I'm starting to kind of work my way back towards camp. Um, first thing I hear do after I hear that is proceed to let out a lot of expletives with Nathan's name attached. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're getting really used to the sound of his rifle at that point. Right? Yeah. He, yeah, I'm he, like, he can oh. identify it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's his rifle. Um, and so then finally, I, uh, uh, after I get done with my expletive-laden tirade, I'm like, I should go help expletives, Nathan, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so, so I go help him with his deer, his deer, 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 right? And it's pretty cold. Um, it, it is. I mean, we're, we're getting pretty chilled out there working on him, and we, we, we didn't have the energy for a pack-out at that at that moment that was a hang this sucker go back go back and hit the 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 froig and uh <laughs> and, and and catch some z's right mm-hmm. and so nathan you had said before you you boned out your elk and then hung it is that is that how you like doing that well i like to get them on ice as soon as possible but um you know if the the meat will be fine if you get it off the bone and and mm-hmm. uh, hang it and it's cold enough and it's in the shade you know it, it'll be fine but there are black bears in that area so we were worried about that a little bit but uh, you know with a boned out carcass there and then meat bags moved 75 yards away and a and hung in a tree i was hoping that if a bear did find you know, anything, it's going to find the elk carcass or the, the carcass, deer carcass. Yeah. And, and, you know, that'll be a lot easier. So, mm-hmm. um, we, we got the, got the deer process. The, the deer was, uh, fairly kind. It landed next to an Aspen log and didn't roll too far, but man, I was, 
I, I was wore out. And one thing that I do, one thing that I've learned is boning out animals. I, um, I take a meat hook and I take a Kevlar glove for my left hand. Um, that Kevlar glove has saved me from slicing my fingers two or three different times. And the meat hook, uh, just saves wear and tear on your hand. Like your forearms would get pumped trying to hold on to this big mass of boned out meat and stuff. And, hmm. um, both those things really make it a lot easier. So, um, what kind of Kevlar glove are you you're like, do you have a brand? I guess no, I, 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 I pick them up from LEM, which is a meat processing company. Okay. Okay. Um, and I get the meat hooks from there too. Um, I just take a wine cork and put on the, the pointy end of it and stick it in my game processing kit. Mm. It works really, really well. Like I can pull an entire boned out elk quarter up um, and hold it with one hand while trying to get the bag around it and have no worries of dropping the thing. Mm. So is it a, it's a, just like an S hook meat hook, right? Uh, it's got a little T handle. And then just a little wire, stainless steel wire hook that comes around. And uh, so you can get four fingers on it. Sure. And okay. it just makes it, it, first of all, it gets your hand away from the blade. And when you are super tired and it's dark and you're on a 40 degree slope with slick aspen leaves underfoot, um, you know, mistakes happen. And mm -hmm. I cut the snot out of my finger. I've still got a scar on it uh, with one of those little razor blade knives back in 2012 and had to you know put it back together with duct tape while i finished boning out my bull so the uh the kevlar glove the kevlar glove and the meat hook have saved me um some troubles since then hmm. and i will say that uh, that glove i had had some uh, rubber textured stuff on it and i looked at it the next day and sure enough i had sliced into it sure and didn't didn't know it sure so, um, it, it did, did help. No, no, I'll also say that, um, I really respect Nathan's, um, how calm he is processing an animal, especially as tired as I knew he was on that deer. And we made it an hour or two into the dark on that one. Right. And, you, you just keep a very calm, non-hurried demeanor on it um, with, within reason. I have another friend who is so calm, you almost want to hit him and see if he's still alive. <laughs> or, or, or if he's just contemplating the next cut, right? Um, so mm. he's a little too calm. You know, you, you're kind of like, are we going to get this out this season or are we going for next? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You know, that's one of those things that I think, I just think it needs to be done right. Um, you know, you need to get as much yield out of the animal as you possibly can. Um, that's some of the highest quality meat on earth. And, uh, you know, I want to make the most of it. So, yeah. Any, in, any, I was, I was just going to say, do you think that, like, did you work in a meat processing? Did you work in a butcher shop ever? Or do you think it's, uh, I mean, you live in Tennessee. Do you, I mean, you must butcher, I don't know how many deer you shoot a year, a couple, at least a couple a year? Yeah, at least a couple a year. My dad and my brother used to shoot a couple a year. Um, our, our seasons are very generous here. Um, so, you know, in Grand Junction, you'll get between five and 15 inches of rain a year. Uh, mm -hmm. Tennessee averages around 55 this year through August, we've gotten 65 inches. Um, and we just have a lot more of everything, a lot more vegetation, a lot more food. So we can, uh, we can currently take two bucks a year without getting into quota hunts. And from the start of archery season, which is the end of September until the first week of January, I can shoot three does per day, per day, in, per day in my season. So it, it's almost an is unlimited there, amount of does that I could take. Is there like a, a bag limit I get, or like a possession limit? Can you, can, no. or can you, uh, uh, no I mean, possession. So you could shoot three does a day for. Well, if you get them hung and 
I mean, you can't you can't have wanton waste. Sure, sure. Yeah, if you're ta- if you're shooting them and take them to a butcher shop, though, you could shoot three a day for I don't know how many days that is. That's a lot of days. <laughs> yeah, dang, yeah. that's crazy. So they uh, they do that to try to give people opportunity because we actually have some population control uh, issues at mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just the opposite in Colorado. You know, it's hard to get a, a doe tag in many areas of Colorado. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so anyway, I, I grew up processing deer. Um, I mean, my dad made me do my deer plus his deer by the time I was 12. Um, so I've just done a, done a lot of them. Done a lot. A lot of experience. Okay, so we can get back to your uh, Montana your Montana hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so we so, got the got the deer processed and hung and uh, got back to camp. And this is another one of those moments that you don't forget. Kevin goes inside the tent. He's going to cook his dinner and stuff. And I just lay on the ground outside the tent. I, I don't know how long I was there. Like I was, I was so out of it. Um, <laughs> I was just spent completely, utterly exhausted. Um, you know, lack of sleep, the physical part of it, the just the attention that you have to have butchering animals and and all this. I just laid there on the ground and looked at the sky for I don't know, somewhere between five and twenty minutes probably. <laughs> 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 maybe maybe a little lightheaded from the elevation yeah definitely uh yeah. definitely so then we we ate some food and had a sip or two of lafroig and uh ran the stove and got warm um and went to sleep yep and then we wake up the next morning what just a few minutes before shooting light yeah and and Let's get into the emotions of this because at this point in time, I'm feeling pretty guilty. <laughs> mm. Mm. Like the the my intent my intention the day before had been that it was Kevin's first shot, um, mm-hmm. and the only reason that I didn't go with him that afternoon and help spot for him is because I was so tired that I didn't think I could make the loop he was wanting to do. Um, so I wind up killing a, a nice buck after getting a bull in, you know, his spot. Uh, so I'm, I'm feeling really guilty at this point. And, and, um, and let's talk about your buck real quick. Your buck had almost the same size antlers as your bull. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Like, he, he, uh, he's basically a three by three. Uh, he's got one little front fork that, uh, you know, the bottom point is just a couple inches long, but he's basically a three by three and he still scores like 140, 145. Mm. So big, you know, big framed, big framed buck, cool buck. Yeah, he's a cool buck. So the next morning, um, we're both pretty tired. So I go down that ridge, you know, literally it's actually probably less than 200 yards from our camp. Um, I go down that ridge. I wait for the light to start happening, sun come up, right? And then I start, after about a half hour, I start to still hunt kind of across the contour um, over towards the area where Nathan had gotten his bull. And, you know, we're going across over there, see a couple deer, see a couple more deer, I think. And then all of a sudden we see a a nice buck just heading up the hill, right? So at that point, I am, I think I used that tree, the tree that your elk came to a rest on. (laughs) You did. I'm I'm basically pretty much straddling your elk carcass using that tree as a rest to shoot the buck, right? I shoot the buck. He walks up the slope 
and lays down right where I started my season. He expired. Mm -hmm. the, the exact spot that I started sitting that I was aiming for on the first day, he goes up, what was it, 20, 30 yards and just expires right in that spot. Yeah. And our, our plan that morning had been to work our way back around to where we had seen that big group of bucks the day before. Um, and we, we just never made it there. I mean, we got to the bottom edge of the meadow, still hunting the same path I had made the night before and um, saw a doe and then a buck kind of with the doe and then another buck. And um, this buck, you know, we'll go back to the beginning of the, of the story. I, I was looking for any legal bull and a big old gnarly buck didn't care what he scored. I got both those. Kevin wanted a, a pretty symmetrical, typical representative mule deer. And he got a perfect four by four, just a beautiful symmetrical deer. Um, it, it was just, it was amazing. Uh, and where his deer landed is one of the most beautiful spots I've ever been in my entire life. Um, it is like an amphitheater, just a 180 degrees all the way around you are these snow-capped mountains. Uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And, and his deer, both my deer landed on 40, or my deer and my elk landed on 40-degree slopes. His found the only flat spot on that blamed <laughs> mountain and died right in the center of it. Yes, so, it did. And th there's like logs strategically placed for sitting. <laughs> <laughs> he thought you guys should be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I guess he did. Yeah. So, so now we're processing another animal. Yeah. Um, Mine's it, still hanging in a tree that's, um, this is pretty amazing, but you could probably draw, you could probably draw a circle, uh, 200 yards in diameter and it would cover all three of the kill sites. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it would. And, and all of them were probably within a quarter mile of our camp. I mean, it was just a hop, skip, and literally a jump, you know. So now we get to taking care of that animal and loading up our packs for, for certain, right? Mm -hmm. And um, packing out. Um, we had uh, my son, Owen, came up, and a friend of mine came up. So we had four loads going down, which, I mean, yeah, we had, you know, two deer were pretty much equal to one big elk, you know, um, we pack out all this meat, um, and we go to the same processor and here's where things get a little bit funny at the processor because now we have these two deer in the back and there's all these hunters around and they're all wanting to beat around the bush, you know, but they, they know they're not going to say, where did, can you point to where you killed these on a map? So they're like, what elevation were you at? Um, was it conifer? Was it aspen? You know, mm -hmm. uh, they were trying to ask us every little, little detail. And the processor was kind of like, you guys packed this out on your backs as well. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they were like, you know, there's horses. And, and a horse would have been really nice to have on this trip. Uh, I'm not going to lie there, you know? <laughs> um, so anyway. The, so I, I, just, think, I, I think it, the processor was kind of impressed because, you know, we had been there the, the day before with an elk uh, boned out in meat bags. And while we were there, um, I think two more elk came in whole yeah. on the back of a, of a truck uh, that has a, a tilt bed and a winch system. So, mm. you know, it came off of a private ranch with, uh, you know, big hunting houses, uh, you know, big blinds, elevated blinds and stuff. And they just drive out in the field and tilt the truck bed back and winch the elk up and then 
take it to the processor. Um, so I think they were kind of impressed with what we were bringing in. I have to say that method sounds a little bit easier than our method. It, it, it does sound easier. <laughs> so, so at this point, it's been what three days? Three days, two days, and one morning. Two days and one morning, you have of uh, hunting, and and, and um, you know we we were out on the third day. Had to leave some camp. We couldn't get everything. Um, sure. Which th then weather basically rolled in and made the whole area almost inaccessible the rest yeah, of the was, season it was nasty yeah you couldn't see 20 yards in front of you you know just had that weather pattern shifted a couple days nathan and i would have been up there just tent bound and, and frankly that's part of what kind of happened to me this year on uh, one of my backpack hunts was I was just basically sitting amongst weather and clouds and, you know, there, there barely was time that you could physically see it, an animal if it was more than 50 yards away. Hmm. Well, I think this goes to show that when a front is moving in, the front end of that front is a usually a really good time for animal movement um, because, you know, in three days we filled three tags, the, the storm or the weather system hit the next day. It lasted the rest of the season. Um, I went back up, I think two days later to pull the rest of our camp gear. And I mean, I had like two or three sleeping pads, two sleeping bags, a tin, a stove, all, you know, both of our food bags and all this. I look like the Beverly Hillbillies coming back down. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's the only time I have overloaded a Brooks and had to strap stuff onto the back of it. Uh, that tells you how much gear I was bringing down, mm. but going back up, uh, to, to get camp, you start out at lower elevation. There's tall grass. It's soaking wet. And the mud is a little crunchy on top, but still soupy underneath. So you go through that and then you start climbing. Um, and it, it, turns from mud with a little you know fog into a drizzle and then go up a little farther it starts raining um, and then there's one really steep probably i don't know quarter to half mile climb that is just a heartbreaking hill and you get to the top of that you're on this exposed ridge line and you have to you know go a pretty good ways to get into the cover again that exposed ridge line, there were 30 mile an hour sideways winds and sleet uh, the, the whole way. I mean, it feels like you're being sandblasted mm. and get on up all the way to camp, gain the rest of the elevation and it's snowing um, and fog in all this. So visibility was like 40, 50 yards at most. Uh, and I, it was like that for the rest of the season, you know, nine day season, the first three days are great. The last six are almost unhuntable unless you jump a deer out of its bed and it stops to look at you. Hmm. Um, so we, we were really, really blessed. That's our perfect hunting season story. I hope the law of averages doesn't, doesn't come <laughs> on this next hunt. I, I, I hope, I hope that hunting story is actually the result of the law of averages catching up with us at that time. Mm. Yeah, we we'd had some tough hunts before that time. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, hopefully, you know, like there was a couple of years before that we were archery hunting, and remember we had all those bulls. Oh man, we were around. so close. We, yeah. we had a three we had a three thirty bull within seventy five yards, and another one that was probably. 280 and another one that was in the high 200s um all within 75 yards and oh, that was that was tough that doe <laughs> that doe that doe mule deer is what tipped them off yeah that doe i think busted me and i was i was really close to the 330 but i was hunting with a trad bow and I was mm. probably 35, 40 yards. I needed to get about five yards and I had a shot. And, but that doe busted me. And when she busted me, the, the 330 thought something was up and he circled around and 
caught my wind and then they were gone. Yeah. Hmm. I think we should add that we have these same tags this fall. So we're, we're trying to recreate this hunt. We've both got, you know, second rifle buck tags and I'm going to pick up a over the counter bull tag. Um, and we're planning on starting in the same area. Um, my expectations are nothing like <laughs> the last time we did this trip, this being 2020 and COVID and, and all this stuff. I'm expecting the area to be overrun with people um, and having to move multiple times, uh, potentially being pushed out of areas. So, you know, in my mind, I've, I've got backups to the backups to the backups. This being 2020, I think we're going to have trees fall right in front of us. Um, I mean, one of those fire things, tornadoes, fire yeah. tornadoes, um, you know, bears attacking camp. Um, <laughs> or or marmots, it could be marmots eating all your food. It could be like Barry Whitehill's um, mountain lion story that wasn't in that podcast <laughs> of that there was a mountain lion stalking the same deer he was and <laughs> stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll, we'll get Barry back on sometime and tell that story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, yeah. 2020 could be, could be pretty crazy. Just, I would, I would agree. Nathan. I think that people, the fact that most of Colorado's on fire right now. Yeah. Um, water's going to be a big concern because that, that area is kind of iffy on water in a, decently wet year and it's been a very dry year so we don't know if you know it, gosh if we've got to drop 2500 feet of elevation to get to water um every couple of days that that really complicates the the planning mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean we we don't know how good or bad the water situation is and of course Things can change quickly. I think right now, um, it would be um, right now. It would be. Uh, I would be thinking that it's supposed to be quite dry, and I think that um, I think that our forecast is that our fall is supposed to be pretty dry as well. Mm -hmm. And I think they. Then if you're driving, you might need to pick someone else in Tennessee up and bring them out this way too. They, um, my, my private physical therapist and I have been chatting. We can do that. He can help me drive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but you guys can't kill everything that's in the area. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about getting a semi-automatic for this year. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Kevin, you're just gonna have to keep them behind you the whole time. Just be like, no, you gotta, you gotta be back there, twenty feet. Yeah, you guys, you guys have to follow me. You have to follow me. Uh, yeah. I, I have first shot at everything. That's the rules. You know, no, it, no loading your rifle until I shoot. No wood stove for you. Yeah. <laughs> cool, guys. Well, we. We will have to touch base after after this fall and see, you know, maybe, maybe there's some good stories that come out of of your hunt. Maybe maybe just repeat. Yeah, I think I think you're going to need to find a new elk hunting area as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of exploration uh, this fall with with most of. I, I just. Colorado's on fire right now, so hopefully, hopefully that, um, hopefully that gets mitigated sometime soon. But there's going to be a lot of displaced hunters and or um, animals as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, this fall, I saw Colorado Parks and Wildlife is already offering refunds for multiple units. Oh, they are. Yeah. I'll have to start looking at that Plan B tag. Yep. Yeah, cool. I, I think we should also mention that, uh, you know, once again, Colorado's on fire. There are no animals in Colorado, and Montana really is the place to be. Yeah, there's better weather up there. It's not as hot. I think everything is better 
about Montana. <laughs> the elk are definitely bigger. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're, mm-hmm. yeah, easier and, to and, find. Well, yeah, because the wolves try to keep them out in the out out of the timber. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think we'll leave it there, guys. That's a good good spot to sign off. Everybody buy their uh, Montana hunting license. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love you, Montana. We love you, everybody that comes to Colorado as well. Yeah. <laughs> we love you all. Um, Cool guys. Well, maybe we can uh, throw some throw some photos up of your deer or something. Let everybody know. Um, and yeah, thanks, thanks for talking talking through that and, and telling that story. Yeah, sure thing. You're welcome. All right, guys. Have a good day. Later. See. You.